Remember, none of us know what might happen, even in the next minute. Yet still, we go forward because we trust, because we have faith. Aloha, and thank you so much, everyone, for joining in. My name is Wolfshield, aka Skull Babylon, aka Mystic Spider-Man, and you are tuned in for a live recorded broadcast of The Alchemist book reading and commentary presented here through ParadigmShiftCentral.com, a real-world interactive game to be able to help assist with the shift in consciousness. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining in. Of course, this is part four, so if you haven't listened to the previous parts, do yourself a favor and go back, and you can find those in the information for this YouTube video so that you can tune into this. And yeah, The Alchemist, such an amazing book. And I'm so excited to be able to not only read it with you today, but also conclude it today. So this is, we still got, it's going to be a bit of an endurance run today to be able to make sure that we complete it because we still got quite a few pages, but we're going to make it through. We're going to do this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the lessons. We're going to talk about the, the symbolism, the significance, what we can extract from the lessons of young, San, young Santiago and him meeting the alchemist. So again, if you happen to be tuning into this and you haven't listened to the previous parts, go back, check out parts one to three. They're all free online for your enjoyment. And it includes like additional paradigm shifting commentary for you to be able to check out. And of course, quick plug, if you haven't yet, be sure to check out more paradigmshiftcentral.com. These broadcasts are made possible thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Add your monthly support on Patreon with a contribution of your choice and get cool perks like discounts for the quest item shop and the option to join as a leading member within our community. Patreon.com forward slash Brendan Culleton. Links in the info down below. So getting right into this. Where we left off in The Alchemist, let's see, quick overview, just in case anybody's like super eager to just listen to this anyways. Young Santiago lived his life as a young shepherd boy, and one night he, or several nights, he had this recurring dream of going to the pyramids. And along his travels with his sheep, he met like a psychic lady who basically told him, like, you have to go to the pyramid. And along his way, he met a king, the king of Solemn. And the king of Solemn started teaching him about the language of the universe and the ways of being able to understand that which is said without words. And so he starts meeting various people along the way who start kind of reaffirming for him that there's more to this reality than meets the eye and that this quest towards the pyramids is something very important to him it is part of his own personal legend and along the way he goes through some ups and downs he gets robbed he uh, has to like spend an entire year working working for um, like a crystal merchant a person who like makes crystal glasses and stuff but then things start turning up and eventually he has enough money to decide if he's going to go home or if he's going to continue to the pyramids of course he continues to the pyramids since then, he has met another British man uh, who is studying a lot about the wisdom of alchemy, the wisdom of the alchemist, and he is looking to meet the alchemist. And he, too, is alongside Santiago as they travel as part of a caravan across a desert. And since then, they have landed at an oasis. And in this oasis, there is the alchemist, but they haven't met him yet up until right where we are right now. And so... 
the basic point of where we are right now is Santiago and and the British man. They've kind of been hanging out in the oasis for a while as part of the caravan. And Santiago met like a, a nice young woman who he's fondly attracted to. And Santiago started having visions. He started having uh, this this foresight of the idea that there was an impending battle, that there was like some sort of some sort of doom on the horizon. And so he told the local uh, kind of like kings of the area, and and they were kind of saying to him like, okay okay, like, let's, let's hope you're wrong. But if you are wrong, then like, we're going to punish you, but let's get ready for a battle just in case. So right now with where we are, they're literally on the edge of a potential battle. And the last thing that happened was Santiago was approached by this man on horseback, very mysterious, kind of like covered in robes. And he was talking to young Santiago. And I may even just, uh, I may even just kind of like jump into the last paragraph here. And that man turns out to be the alchemist. So that's where we are right now. Santiago is again, still on his way to the pyramids and he just met the alchemist. Again, we're in part four of the book and we just met the alchemist. But again, this book has a lot to do with the, the power of following our dreams, the importance of being able to listen to our heart, to see the synchronicities, to see the language of the universe that is all around us so thank you again everyone so much for being a part of this broadcast thank you for being a part of this journey i'm so grateful to be able to be here and share this together this is a very classic story so thank you again awesome so with that said stay tuned get comfortable plug yourself in and enjoy part four the conclusion to the alchemist so just going back a little bit here this is just like mid-conversation <clears throat> The stranger continued to hold the sword to the boy's forehead. Why did you read the flight of the birds? I read only what the birds wanted to tell me. They wanted to save they wanted to save the oasis. Tomorrow all of you will die because there are more men at the oasis than you have. The sword men remained where he where it was. The sword remained where it was. Who are you to cha to change what Allah has willed? Allah creates the armies. He also created the hawks. Allah turned, taught me the language of the birds. Everything has been written by the same hand, the boy said, remembering the camel driver's words. The stranger withdrew the sword from the boy's forehead, and the boy felt immensely relieved. But he still couldn't flee. Be careful with your prog prognostations. <laughs> I'm learning to read while reading this book. Awesome, said the stranger. When something is written, there is no way to change it. All I saw was an army, said the boy. I didn't see the outcome of the battle. The stranger seemed satisfied with the answer, but he kept the sword in his hand. What is the stranger doing in a strange land? asked the stranger. I am following my personal legend. It's not something you would understand. The stranger placed his sword in his scarab and the boy relaxed. I had to test your courage. I know it'll take me a minute to kind of like adapt to the voices. Like I'm trying to even remember like what the voice of the alchemist was in part three. <laughs> Takes a second. Okay. <clears throat> I had to test your courage. The stranger said courage is the quality most essential to understanding the language of the universe. The boy was surprised. The stranger was speaking of things that very few people knew about. You must not let up, even after having come so far, he continued. You must love the desert, but never trust it completely. 
because the desert tests all men. It challenges every step and kills those who become distracted. What he said reminded the boy of the old king. If the warriors come here and your head is still on your shoulders at sunset, come and find me, said the stranger. The same hand that brandished the sword now held a whip. The horse reared again and raising a cloud of dust. Where do you live? shouted Santiago as the horseman rode away. The hand with the whip pointed to the south. The boy had met the alchemist. So here we go. So this is the next morning. And this is like, yeah, like I guess the, the battle's just about to take place. And again, I've, I've read this book a long time ago, but even parts of this is like still exciting and new to me because it's been so long. So again, for those of you tuning in on Instagram, please jump over to the YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Skull Babylon. And uh, for those of you on YouTube, honestly, I'm not expecting a heck of a lot of people to be tuning into this live or filming this in the middle of the day. Oh, and it's a full moon right now. So that's part of the reason we're doing this like in alignment with the full moon. But if you do have any comments, please feel free to leave your comments and you guys can like leave commentary that I'll read on air as we're doing this. And yeah, thank you again for being here and leave your comments afterwards as well. <clears throat> Next morning, there were 2,000 armed men scattered throughout the palm trees at El Faum. Before the sun had reached its highest point, 500 tribesmen appeared on the horizon. The mounted troops entered the oasis from the north. It appeared to be a peaceful expedition, but they all carried arms hidden in their robes. When they reached the white tent at the center at Al-Fayum, they withdrew their scimitars and rifles, and they attacked an empty tent. The men of the oasis surrounded the horsemen from the desert, and within half an hour, all but one of the intruders were dead. The children had been kept at the other side of the grove of palm trees and saw nothing of what happened. The women had remained in their tents, praying for the safekeeping of their husbands, and saw nothing of the battle either. Were it not for the bodies there on the ground, it would have appeared to be a normal day in the oasis. The only tribesmen spared were it was the commander of the, bat of the battalion. That afternoon, he was brought before the tribal chieftains, who asked him why he had violated the tradition. The exhausted, the commander said that his men had been starving and thirsty, exhausted from many days of battle, and had decided to take the oasis so as to be able to return to the war. The tribal chieftain said that he felt sorry for the tribesmen, but that the tradition was sacred. And so here's a picture. Uh, this is a little bit um, uh, graphic, so just heads up. But this is a picture from the book. Again, this is pictures by uh, the the artist. Um, uh, Mobius, for those of you who aren't familiar, so you can kind of see there, it's just like a picture of like the bodies on the battlefield. Just right there to Instagram as well. So, <clears throat> page flip. Okay. <clears throat> he condemned the commander to death without honor. Rather than being killed by a blade or a bullet, he was hanged from a dead palm tree where his body twisted in the desert winds. The tribal chieftain called for the boy and presented him with 50 pieces of gold. He repeated his story about Joseph of Egypt and asked the boy to become the counselor of the oasis. When this, you shouldn't be here, the alchemist answered, or is it your personal legend that brings you here? With the wars between the tribes, it's impossible to cross the desert, so I have come here. The alchemist dismounted from his horse and signaled that the boy should enter the tent with him. 
It was a tent like many at the oasis. The boy looked around for the ovens and the other apparatus used in alchemy, but saw none. There was only some books in a pile, a small cooking stove, and a, and carpets covered with date with mysterious designs. Sit down. We'll have something to drink and eat these hawks," said the alchemist. The boy suspected that there were the, that they were the same hawks he had seen the day before, but he said nothing. The alchemist lighted the fire, and soon a delicious aroma filled the tent. It was better than the scent of the hookahs. Why did you want to see me? the boy asked. Because of the omens, the alchemist answered. The wind told me you would be coming, and that you would need help. It's, it's, not I, the, it's not I the winds speak about. It's the other foreigners, the Englishmen. He's the one that's looking for you. He has other things to do first. But he's on the right track. He has begun to try to understand the desert. And what about me? When a person really desires something, all the universe conspires to help the person realize his dream, said the alchemist, echoing the words of the old king. The boy understood. Another person was there to help him towards his personal legend. So again, very, very cool. Like obviously a big quote within this book that many of you have already heard at this point. Again, that idea of when a person realize, really desires something, all the universe conspires to help that person realize their dream. And really just acknowledging again, like this, this story is very much like a metaphor, an allegory for our life. And the many different characters who we will meet along our way who will help assist us in meeting our personal dreams or our personal legend as they refer to it here. So really keep your eyes open for those people who may have wisdom to share for you or may be able to assist you in some way or another. And really just like hold space in your heart for being able to see them when they arise. Because maybe there have been people that have already crossed your path, but maybe you weren't ready to like receive the, the wisdom of that relationship yet. So how can you move forward in the best way possible to be able to like meet people who may otherwise be strangers and be able to receive some sort of gift that will help you make that step further towards your own personal legend? So are you going to instruct me? No, you already know all you need to know. I am only going to point you in the direction of your treasure. And again, treasure being like metaphorical, right? The treasure in itself is essentially the treasure of self-discovery and transformation, the alchemical process of transforming oneself, which is again, like the big theme of alchemy. For those of you who aren't familiar, alchemy, scientifically, it's about transforming metals into golds and things like that, base metals into gold. Symbolically, esoterically, it's about transforming the, the, the like part of the soul into the refined aspect of who we have come here to be. But there's a tribal war, the boy reiterated. I know what's happening in the desert. I've already found my treasure. I have a camel. I have my money from the crystal shop, and I have 50 gold pieces. In my own country, I would be a rich man. But none of that is from the pyramids, said the alchemist. I also have Fatima. She is a treasure greater than anything else I have won. She wasn't found at the pyramids either. They ate in silence. The alchemist opened a bottle and poured a red liquid into the boy's cup. It was the most delicious wine he had ever tasted. Isn't wine prohibited here? The boy asked. It's not what enters a man's mouth that's evil, said the alchemist. It's what comes out of their mouths that is. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? The alchemist was a bit daunting, but as the boy drank the wine, he relaxed. 
After they finished eating, they sat outside the tent under a moon so brilliant that it made the stars pale. Drink and enjoy yourself, said the alchemist, noticing that the boy was feeling happier. Rest well tonight, as if you were a warrior preparing for combat. Remember what that wherever your heart is, there you will find your treasure. You've got to find the treasure so that everything you have learned along the way makes sense. Wow, so again, just rereading that part. Remember that wherever your heart is, there you will find your treasure. So that's a very powerful part in itself too. Again, like this idea that the treasure that we truly seek is awareness in the present moment. And I think that's like a big lesson that a lot of us are realizing is that like society will tell us that the treasure is, you know, like external. It's a house. It's a car. It's a job. It's a romantic relationship. It's the way our body looks or something like that. The real treasure is being able to not be distracted by the treasures outside of us and realize that the treasure is the connection that we have with this present moment. And can you open yourself up to that and then see and receive the gifts that are all around you? Can you receive the gift of the breath? Can you receive the gift of a roof over your head, of a relationship with someone who's in front of you, of food in your mouth? Simple things, simple things. So finding just like, again, gratitude for the things that we already have that we may not really recognize as treasure. So moving forward. And again, for those of you who may just be tuning in, if this is your first time tuning in, this is part four. So go back and listen to part one and three, unless you want to just hang out anyways. That's okay. You can go back and listen to it afterwards. It's a retro causality night. So that's okay. All right. Tomorrow, sell tomorrow, sell your camels and buy a horse. Camels are treacherous, are treacherous. They walk thousands of paces and never seem to tire. Then suddenly they kneel and die. But horses tire bit by bit. You always know how much you can ask of them and when, and when it is that they are about to die. The following night, the boy appeared at the alchemist's tent with a horse. The alchemist was ready and he mounted his own steed and placed the falcon on his left shoulder. He said to the boy, show me where there is life out in the desert. Only those who can see such signs of life are able to find treasure. They began to ride out over the sands with the moon lighting their way. I don't know if I'll be able to find life in the desert, the boy thought. I don't know the desert that well yet. He wanted to say to the alchemist, but he was afraid of the man. They reached the rocky place where the boy had seen the hawks in the sky, but now there is only silence and the wind. I don't know how to find life in the desert, the boy said. I know that there is life here, but I don't know where to look. Life attracts life, the alchemist answered. Ooh, that's wise. Life attracts life. Think about that for a second. And then the boy understood. He loosened the reins of his horse, who galloped forward over the rocks and sand. The alchemist followed as the boy's horse ran for almost half an hour. They could no longer see the palms of the oasis, only the gigantic moon above them and its silver reflections from the stones of the desert. Suddenly, for no apparent reason, the boy's horse began to slow. There's life here, the boy said to the alchemist. I don't know the language of the desert, but my horse knows the language of life. They dismounted, and the alchemist said nothing. Advancing slowly, they searched among the stones. The alchemist stopped abruptly and bent to the ground. 
There was a hole there among the stones. The alchemist put his hand into the hole and then his entire arm up to his shoulder. Something was moving there, and the alchemist's eyes, the boy, could see only his eyes, squinted with his effort. His arm seemed to be battling with whatever was in the hole. Then, with a motion that startled the boy, he withdrew his arm and leaped to his feet. In his hand, he grasped a snake by the tail. The boy leapt as well, but away from the alchemist. The snake fought frantically, making hissing sounds that shattered the silence of the desert. It was a cobra, whose venom could kill a person in minutes. Watch out for its venom, the boy said. But even though the alchemist had put his hand in the hole, he had surely already been bitten. His expression was calm. The alchemist is 200 years old, the Englishman had told him. He must know how to deal with the snakes of the desert. The boy watched as his companion went to the horse and withdrew his scimitar. With its blade, he drew a circle in the sand and then placed the snake within it. The serpent relaxed immediately. Here's a quick picture of, again, for those of you uh, watching this, you can see a picture of the alchemist with his snake. He's like pulling it out of the hole there. I'll show you on Instagram. And again, obviously, a uh, reminder if you're watching this on YouTube that you can find all our recordings on MP3 format as well. And you can find that through Paradigm Shift Radio on iTunes. So be sure to subscribe to us there. Moving on. Ba -ba -ba -ba. <clears throat> the boy watched as his companion went to his horse <clears throat> and drew a scimitar. Again, just rereading this. With its blade, he drew a circle in the sand and then he placed the snake within it. The serpent relaxed immediately. Not to worry, said the alchemist. We won't leave the circle. He won't leave the circle. You found life in the desert, the omen that I needed. Why was that so important? Because the pyramids are surrounded by the desert. The boy didn't want to talk about the pyramids. His heart was heavy, and he had been melancholy ever since the previous night. To continue his search for the treasure meant that he had to abandon Fatima. I'm going to guide you across the desert, the alchemist said. I, I want to stay at the oasis, the boy answered. I found Fatima. As far as I'm concerned, she's worth more than the treasure. Fatima is a woman of the desert, said the alchemist. She knows that men have to go away in order to return. And she already has her treasure. It's you. Now she expects that you will find what it is that you're looking for. Wow, that's really, that's pretty deep right there too. So again, like just that, that idea right there. <clears throat> she knows, Fatima, the woman, that men have to go away in order to return. So think about that. That's again, like that's a big part of the hero's journey is that we have to venture into those realms of uncertainty. We have to go beyond our comfort zone. We have to go into, you know, new places to be able to find new parts of ourselves. And then we return more whole. Well, what if I decide to stay? Let me tell you what will happen. You will be the counselor of the oasis. You have enough gold to buy many sheep and many camels. You'll marry Fatima and you'll both be happy for a year. You'll learn to love the desert and you'll get to know everyone of the 50,000 palms. You'll watch them as they grow, demonstrating how the world is always changing. And you'll get better and better at understanding the omens because the desert is the best teacher there is. And here's a quick picture of Fatima before we continue. So you can see her there, kind of like looking off into the distance and stuff. And those of you on Instagram, there you go there. <clears throat> 
continuing along. Sometime during the second year, you'll remember about the treasure. The omens will begin instantly, to, incessantly to speak of it, and you'll try to ignore them. You'll use your knowledge for the welfare of the oasis and its inhabitants. The tribal chieftains will appreciate what you do, and your camels will bring you wealth and power. During the third year, the omens will continue to speak of your treasure and your personal legend. You'll walk around night after night at the oasis, and Fatima will be unhappy because she'll feel it was she who interrupted your quest. But you will love her, and she'll return your love. You'll remember that she never asked you to stay, because a woman of the desert knows that she must await her man. So you don't. So you won't blame her. But many times you'll walk the sands of the desert, thinking that maybe you could have left, that you could have trusted more in your love for Fatima, because what kept you at the oasis was your fear that you might never come back. At that point, the omens will tell you that your treasure is buried forever. Wow, that's really deep. So again, like that's kind of living in that that mindset that, you know, what's better? Kind of like going out there and seeking your treasure. And even though it might be risky and it might be a grand adventure and, and maybe, you know, you might get hurt, you might get wounded along the way, but hey, you're going to learn, you're going to grow. Or to never seek your treasure at all and then to live with that like nagging kind of like guilt and regret of like, oh, I, what if, what if, what if, and then never fully feeling fulfilled. So in this, in this sense, it's like, hey, you got your whole life ahead of you. Go seek your treasure, find it, and then return and then return to the oasis where you can like rest and live out your days with like a nice peaceful bliss. And then maybe there's more treasures for you to find beyond that. Maybe that first treasure was just a catalyst for the next treasures, right? Then sometime during the fourth year, the omens will abandon you because you stopped listening to them. The tribal chieftains will see that and you'll be dismissed from, their, from your position as counselor. Wow. So that part's really interesting right there. The idea that the omens could abandon someone. Think about that. So again, like that's this idea that, you know, for some people, there, some people will be like, you know, everything happens for a reason. I can see this. I can see the omens. I, I communicate with the universe and I am always open to this. But then other people will be like, I've never ble believed that everything happens for a reason. I don't see it that way. But again, it's about your relationship with the universe. If the universe knows that you're looking to communicate with it, then the universe will communicate with you. It will send you synchronicities. It will send you omens. And knowing that that possibility is there opens you up to wanting to develop that relationship in the first place. Whereas if you, if you just simply don't believe or you just stop caring about them, then the universe will be like, oh, okay, like no point in trying to send messages to this sender if they're not going to reply to them anyways. You know, it's like, same thing if you're if you're like in a relationship with a with a person and you're like sending them Facebook messages and they're never replying, eventually you're gonna stop sending them messages, right? So think about the universe that way. The universe is like trying to send you messages, and if you reply, they'll send more messages. But if you stop replying, the messages will stop coming. So just think about that. That's some like deep stuff right there, man. And you can always reactivate that conversation. That's a beautiful thing. You can be like, hey universe, like I'm ready. I'm ready to start listening to your omens again. It's never too late. And the universe is like, yes, I love you. Thank you so much. Here, have some cool emoticon symbology and synchronicity. So, All right. The tribal chieftain will see that and you'll be dismissed from your position as counselor. But by then you'll be a richer merchant and many camels and, and, and with many camels and had a great deal of merchandise. 
You'll spend the rest of your days knowing that you didn't pursue your personal legend, and now it's too late. You must understand that love never keeps a man... Um, who's, who's saying that? I think that's still the alchemist. Okay, you must understand that love never keeps a man from pursuing his personal legend. If he abandons that pursuit, it's because it wasn't true love. The love that speaks the language of the world. So that's a very powerful thing too, right? Like the idea that if, if like the, the true love is something that will wait for you, you know, true love is not something that needs to be rushed. It is something that if it's yours, it will be yours. And so like, if there's, you know, even just think about that from a practical point, say there's like, you know, in today's day and age, there might be someone who really, really loves someone, but then they get like a great job opportunity on the other side of the world. And then they're just like, okay, like, ah, uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? If that love is meant for you, then you could full on take that job opportunity, go travel for a bit, do whatever you got to do, and then return back. And then that love will still be there for you if it was meant for you. So again, it takes a little bit of trust, takes a little bit of uncertainty, but uh, very, very exciting too. And I wish, I wish that type of love for everyone because it is available. So. The alchemist erased the circle in the sand and the snake slithered away among the rocks. The boy remembered the crystal merchant who had always wanted to go to Mecca and the Englishman in search of the alchemist. He thought of the woman who had, who had trusted the desert and he looked out over the desert and he looked, um, and, and he looked out over the desert that brought him to the woman he loved. The moments they mounted their horses and at this time it was the boy who followed the alchemist back to the oasis. The wind brought the sounds of the oasis to them, and the boy tried to hear Fatima's voice. But that night, as he watched the cobra within the circle, the strange horseman with the falcon over his shoulder had spoken of love and treasure, and the woman of the desert and his personal legend. I'm going with you, the boy said, and he immediately felt peace with his heart. We'll leave tomorrow before sunrise was the alchemist's only response. So good on you, Santiago. He's doing it. He's 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 leaving Fatima. Not leaving. He's just going on his adventure. He's going on his personal legend. He's going to the pyramids. And uh, yeah, and he has the courage to do that. So that's a very, very powerful thing. It takes, again, you know, like in, in the way how this universe works, if you're like uncertain about something, find the harder choice. And that is probably like going to be the most rewarding one. So the easier choice might give you like momentary satisfaction. It might be like, yeah, this is this is great. I'm avoiding discomfort and uncertainty. But the harder choice in the moment is probably going to be the one that's going to be like more rewarding for you in the long run. So think about that. Whatever it may be for you. <clears throat> Let me just get a drink of my green tea here. Ahem. <clears throat> Awesome. Thank you again, everybody, for joining in. Reminder that this is part four of the book. Parts one through three are already available. If you need to, just send me a DM on Instagram and I'll send you the playlist. But you can find it again at paradigmsessential.com. Click under live broadcast and go to book readings and you'll find it there or youtube.com forward slash skull Babylon. Moving along. The boy spent a sleepless night two hours before dawn. He awoke one of the boys who slept in his tent and asked him to show him where Fatima lived. They went to her tent and the boy gave his friend enough gold to buy a sheep. Then he asked his friend to go into the tent where Fatima was sleeping and to awaken her and tell her that he was waiting outside. The young Arab did and as he, as he was asked, he was given enough gold to buy yet another sheep. Now leave us alone, said the boy to the young Arab. 
The Arab returned to his tent to sleep, proud to have helped the counselor of the oasis, and happy at having enough money to buy himself some sheep. Fatima appeared at the center of the tent. The two walked out among the palms. The boy knew that it was his that it, that it was a violation of the tradition, but that didn't matter to him now. I'm going away, he said, and I want you to know that I'm coming back. I love you because... Don't say anything, Fatima interrupted. One is loved because one is loved. No reason is needed for loving. Wow, that's powerful. One is loved because one is loved. No reason is needed for loving. But the boy continued. I had a dream, and I met with the king. I sold crystal and crossed the desert, and because the tribes declared war, I went to the well seeking the alchemists. So I love you because the entire universe conspired to help me find you. The two embraced. It was the first time either had touched the other. Aww, relationship goals. I'll be back, the boy said. Before this, I always looked to the desert with longing. <clears throat> Before this, I always looked to the desert with longing, said Fatima. Now it will be with hope. My father went away one day, but he returned to my mother, and he has always come back since then. They said nothing else. They walked a bit further among the palms, and then the boy left her at the entrance to her tent. I'll return just as your father came back to your mother, he said. He saw Fatima's eyes were filled with tears. You're crying? I'm a woman of the desert, she said, averting her face. But above all, I am a woman. Fatima went back to her tent, and when daylight came, she went out to do the chores she had done, the, she had done for years. But everything had changed. The boy was no longer at the oasis, and the oasis would never again have the same meaning it had only yesterday. It would no longer be a place with 50,000 palm trees and 300 wells, where the pilgrims arrived, relieved at the end of their long journeys. From that day on, the oasis would be an empty place for her. Aww. From that day on, it was the desert that would be important. She would look to it every day and would try to guess which star the boy was following in search of his treasure. She would have to send her kisses on the wind, hoping that the wind would touch the boy's face and would tell him that she was alive. That's cute, sending your kisses on the wind. <laughs> that she was waiting for him, a woman awaiting a courageous man in search of his treasure. From that day on, the desert would represent only one thing to her, the hope for his return. Beautiful. Don't think about what you have left behind, the alchemist said to the boy as they began to ride across the desert. That's a horse's. Everything is written in the soul of the world, and there it will stay forever. Men dream more about coming home than about leaving. Oops. Men dream more about coming home than about leaving, the boy said. He was already reaccustomed to the desert silence. If what what finds is a pure matter, it will never spoil, and one can always come back. If what you have found was only a moment of light, like the explosion of a star, you would find nothing on your return. The man was speaking the language of alchemy, but the boy knew he was referring to Fatima. It was difficult not to think about what he had left behind, the desert, with its endless monotony, but put him into dreaming. The boy could still see the palm trees, the wells, the face of the woman he loved. 
he could see the Englishman at his experiments. The camel driver, who was a teacher without realizing it. Maybe the alchemist had never been in love, the boy thought. The alchemist rode in front with the falcon on his shoulder. The bird knew the language of the desert as well. And whenever they stopped, he flew off in search of game. On the first day, he returned with a rabbit. On the second, with two birds. At night, they spread their sleeping gear and kept their fires hidden. The desert nights were cold and were becoming darker and darker as the phases of the moon passed. They went on for a week, speaking only of the precautions they needed to follow in order to avoid the battles between the tribes. The war continued, and at times the wind carried the sweet, sickly smell of blood. Battles had been fought nearby, and the wind reminded the boy that there was the language of omens, already, always ready to show him what his eyes had failed to observe. So again, that's that's an interesting thing, just like that idea of thinking about omens as being something to help us see what our eyes fail to observe. So again, like omens can sometimes be like the intuition, the gut feeling, right? So you are that wizard. You have that ability to like feel the future before it arrives when you really tap in and, you know, work on your chakras and stuff. On the seventh day, the alchemist decided to camp earlier than usual. The falcon flew off to find game and the alchemist offered his water container to the boy. You are almost at the end of your journey, said the alchemist. I congratulate you for having pursued your personal legend. And you've told me nothing along and you've told me nothing along the way. I thought you were going to teach me some of the <clears throat> I thought you were going to teach me some of the things you know. A while ago I rode through the desert with a man who had books on alchemy, but I wasn't able to learn anything from them. There is only one way to learn, the alchemist answered. It's through action. Everything you need to know you have learned through your journey. You need to learn only one more thing. I like how <laughs> I should just like full on just make the alchemist's voice just like Simba's voice or like Mufasa rather. It's basically almost there. I'll work up to it. The boy wanted to know what that was, but the alchemist was searching the horizon looking for the falcon. Why are you called the alchemist? Because that is what I am. And what went wrong with the other when the other alchemists tried to make gold and were unable to do so? They were looking only for gold. His companion answered, They were seeking the treasure of their personal legend without wanting to actually live out the personal legend. What is it that I still need to know? The boy asked. But the alchemist continued to look at the horizon, and he finally and finally the falcon returned with their meal. They dug a hole and lit their fire in it so that the light of the flames would not be seen. I'm an alchemist simply because I am an alchemist, he said, as he prepared the meal. I learned the science from my grandfather who learned it from his father, and so on, back to the creation of the world. In those times, the masterwork would be written simply on an emerald, but men began to reject simple things and to write tracts, interpretations, and philosophical studies. They also began to feel that they knew better ways than others had. Yet the emerald tablet is still alive today. What was written on the emerald tablet, the boy wanted to know. So again, like, shout out to the emerald tablets. Again, getting into like, you know, like hermetic philosophies right here. Hermes Trismegistus, which is again, it's like very much like that's all about like alchemical transformation of, you know, the process of transforming the soul. The alchemist began to draw in the sand and completed his drawing in less than five minutes. 
As he drew, the boy thought of the old king in the plaza where they had met that day. It seemed as if it had taken place years and years ago. This, <clears throat> this is what was written on the emerald tablet, said the alchemist when he finished. The boy tried to read what was written in the sand. It's a code, the boy said, a bit disappointed. It looks like what I saw in the Englishman's book. No, the alchemist answered. It's like the flight of those two hawks. It can be understood by reason. It can't be understood by reason alone. The emerald tablet is a direct passage to the soul of the world. The wise man understood that this natural world is only an image and copy of paradise. The existence of this world is simply a guarantee that there exists a world that is perfect. God created the world so that though that through its visible objects, men could understand his spiritual teachings and the marvels of his wisdom. That's what I mean by action. So that's very interesting. Just that idea alone is very powerful. The idea that, you know, the mere fact that the physical world exists is reference to the idea that like the heavens exist. The, the, the physical world is merely like a reflection of something even more pristine. Flipping the page here. How many how many pages do we got going on here? Still got eh, we got about like yeah, like good like thirty pages to go. So like I said, I'm committed to finishing this today, though this broadcast may be uh we'll see. This may be like a three hour broadcast. I don't know. I don't want to speed read it, right? We'll take our time with it. So but hey, thanks for taking this journey together. Should I understand the emerald tablet? the boy asked. Perhaps, if you are in a laboratory of alchemy, this would be the right time to study the best way to understand the Emerald Tablet. But you are in the desert, so immerse yourself in it. The desert will give you an understanding of the world. In fact, anything on the face of the earth will do that. You don't have to understand the desert. All you have to do is contemplate a single grain of sand, and you will see in it all the marvels of creation. So again, that's, oh man, like there's just like so much here. But again, that's basically just reminding us that anywhere we go is our laboratory. Anywhere we go, we can learn from the legends and the mysteries and the teachings of the universe. And so it's like, that's literally, you know, that's a quote that you've heard before. If uh, It's like uh, Walt Whitman. Um, it's like something, 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 something. Hold uh, in, in, in through a single grain of sand, hold infinity and da, 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 da. wow okay i butchered that but anyways it's basically the idea of being able to see infinity in a single grain of sand microcosm macrocosm you study one thing you can learn everything go out there and study a tree and it will teach you about life if you haven't done that yet i highly recommend it just go look at trees and look at them and try shifting your paradigm try looking at them sideways see how they may like map out a, a code that's like hidden in plain sight because they do how do i immerse myself in the desert Listen to your heart. It knows all things because it came from the soul of the world and it will only one day return there. Wow. So yeah, listen to your heart. Your heart knows. Like again, right? Like we speak words, we speak English, but our heart speaks a deeper language and it knows how to listen to that language. So when we listen to our heart, we listen to the language that is being spoken to it from the world around us. It's deep stuff, man. Jeez, man, like, someone please make this video viral just so we can get this information out there to more people, right? Okay. 
They crossed the desert for another two days in silence. The alchemists had come much more, ca much more cautious because they were approaching the area where most violent battles were being waged. As they moved along, the boy tried to listen to his heart. It was not easy to do in early times. His heart had always been ready to tell its story, but lately, that wasn't true. There had been times when the heart spent hours telling of its sadness, and at other times it became so emotional over the desert sunrise that the boy had to hide his tears. His heart beat fastest when it spoke of, to the boy of treasure, and more slowly when the boy shared and started, stared in trance at the endless horizons of the desert. Quick picture here of the alchemist holding, I, I assume it's like, maybe it's the emerald tablet? I don't know. Like, it's just like a little emerald and stuff. If it's like, it's a little special gem, magic gem there. So, very cool picture though. <clears throat> but his heart was never quiet, even when the boy and the alchemist had fallen into silence. Why do we have to listen to our hearts? The boy asked. <clears throat> da, 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 da. When they had made, uh, why do we have to listen to our hearts? The boy asked when they had made camp that day. Because wherever your heart is, that is where you'll find your treasure. But my heart is agitated, the boy said. It has its dream. It gets emotional and it becomes passionate over a woman of the desert. It, take, it, it, it asks things of me and it keeps me from sleeping many nights when I'm thinking about her. Well, that's good. Your heart is alive. Keep listening to it. Keep listening to what it has to say. Awesome. Sweet. Cool. Cosmic Butterfly is saying, I have my kids listening to this now. I actually have two copies of the book. I'm going to read it to my kids now because of this. Yay, Cosmic Butterfly. Thank you so much. This is a great book to read as a family. So again, this is part... You can read this. You can li keep listening to this. It's fine. Like this is like some serious parts in the story. And then you can go back and listen to the beginning parts. So that's okay. And aloha and shout out to Cosmic Butterflies kids. You guys are awesome. And so is your mom. All right. <clears throat> well, that's good. Your heart is alive. Keep listening to what it has to say. Are you listening to what your heart has to say? Right? That's something that takes practice. It takes practice to listen to our heart because oftentimes we'll kind of like get in our heads and our heads will be kind of like distracting, distracting, fascination, watching TV shows, paying attention. When we listen to our heart, that's when we go quiet and we can listen to what it has to say, how it will guide us. Very, very important. Awesome. Thanks, Cosmic Butterfly. You're awesome too. Okay. During the next three days, the two travelers passed by a number of armed tribesmen and saw others on the horizon. The boy's heart began to speak of fear. It told him stories it had heard from the soul of the world, stories of men who sought to find their treasure and never succeeded. Sometimes it frightened the boy when the idea that he might not find his treasure or that he might die there in the desert. At other times, it told the boy that it was satisfied. It had found love and riches. My heart is a traitor, the boy said to the alchemist, when they had paused to rest the horses. It doesn't want me to go on. That makes sense, the alchemist answered. Naturally, it's afraid that in pursuing your dream, you might lose everything you've won. Well then, why should I listen to my heart? Because you will never again be able to keep it quiet. 
even if you pretend not to have heard what it tells you, it will always be there inside of you, repeating to you what you're thinking about life and about the world. So again, one of the things that I always talk about is like, listen to what makes your heart sing. Your heart is literally a part of yourself that is like bringing the future into the present moment. So your heart will kind of tell you, be like, follow this path, do this piece of art, dance this dance, meet these people, do something that you've never done before, because that is your heart saying that that future is there for you. It is, it is the heart knows the heart knows that the future already exists. And yet it is our mind that is just like, oh, I doubt this. So again, the journey of a human is being able to kind of like trust our hearts and trust that these futures already exist. Just as a heads up, uh, eventually for the Instagram broadcast, I'm going to have to restart it once it gets to an hour, but keep tuning in or jump over to youtube.com forward slash skull Babylon. And you can watch on YouTube there. And it's probably better audio on the YouTube version. Anyways, you mean I should listen even if it's treacherous? Treason is a blow that comes unexpectedly. If you know your heart well, it will never be able to do that to you because you'll know its dreams and wishes and will know how to deal with them. You will never be able to escape from your heart, so it's better to listen to what it has to say. That way, you'll never have to fear an unanticipated blow. And that's very important too. I'm sure we've all done that where like we don't listen to our heart or we repress it. And then usually that puts us in situations where it's like, it's kind of like unnecessary suffering or, or again, if we are in a place of suffering and then our heart will kind of be like calling to us and say like, this needs to change. You need to do this. You need to get out of your comfort zone or you need to get out of this situation. You need to do something that's like going to like be more rewarding and nurturing for you. So, so again, like, are you listening to your heart? Are there things that your heart's saying that maybe you've like pushed deep down And as children, they do a great job of listening to their heart. And that's where like having children around you can really inspire you to remind yourself how to listen to your heart. As adults, we have a, we do a great job of pushing our heart down because that's what other people tell us we're supposed to do. Oh, those dreams, those things that you want for yourself, just push them down, just push them down. But what happens when we bring it out? And again, that's what inspires others to do the same. And that's when we start aligning with our bliss and our joy. The boy continued to listen to his heart as they crossed the desert. He came to understand it dodges its dodges and tricks and to accept it as it was. He lost his fear and forgot about his need to go back to the oasis because one afternoon his heart told him that it was happy. Even though I complain sometimes, it said, it's because I'm the heart of a person and the people's heart are that way. People are afraid to pursue the most important dreams because they feel that they don't deserve them. And they'll be able to, and they'll be unable to achieve them. We, their hearts, become fearful just thinking of loved ones who will who go away forever, or of moments that could have been, but weren't, or of treasures that might have been found but were forever hidden in the sands. Because when these things happen, we suffer terribly. So there's another thing here where. Um, and Cosmic Butterfly, thank you, yes, for agreeing with the last comment that we talked about. Another thing here that, you know, for people who are still learning and, and really just like, you know, even speaking to this, knowing that, you know, Cosmic Butterfly is listening to this with their younger kids and kids are listening. One of the best pieces of advice I can give to you is kind of making this little shift from this idea of understanding that, like, when we feel those hard things in our heart, those things that might feel uncomfortable, people often say that that is your heart breaking. I like to look at it from the perspective that the heart doesn't break. It only breaks open 
meaning it opens up into more ways to learn how to love ourselves. So sometimes when we like feel scared or we feel like, you know, like something happens and we get our feelings hurt, that's actually like teaching us where we can send more love towards ourselves and towards others. So again, your heart doesn't actually break. It only breaks open. So keep nurturing your heart. My heart is afraid that it, that it will have to suffer, the boy told the alchemist one night as they looked up at the moonless sky. Tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself. That's right. <laughs> Tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself. Right. So what do you prefer? The the idea of, of thinking like, what if, what if, what if? Or to be actually able to go through the experience, maybe it will hurt a little bit. But again, that's like the same way it hurts when you work out. That's like your muscles getting stronger and growing. And then you're just like, oh, like that actually wasn't that bad. Like I've actually grown out of this. I've become stronger. Or you sit there and you're just like, what if, what if, what if? So have that courage, have that bravery. The universe is here to serve you. It's only here to like help you grow, help you expand. And it may not always be like, again, the universe isn't always here to make you quote unquote happy in the moment, but it's here to help you grow. So understand that following your heart will lead you to times of challenge and discomfort and uncertainty, but that helps you grow, that helps grow your consciousness. And then by the time you get out of it with that perception from the other side, you're just like, wow, I feel like I needed that. And now this is gonna help me move into that next journey. So again, every every great challenge is just training us for the next one. So 1111, if you resonate with that in the live chat. <clears throat> Tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than suffering itself and that no heart has ever suffered when it goes in search of its dreams, because every second of the search is a second's encounter with God and with eternity. Wow, that's powerful. So like when we follow our dreams, that's like literally connecting with God, quote unquote, connecting with the universe, connecting with yourself, connecting with like the, the eternity inside of you. Every second... Every second of the search is an encounter with, oh, that's a boy. Every second of the search is an encounter with God, the boy told his heart. Wow. Speak to your heart. Do you think about that? Speak to your heart. You should do that sometimes. Think of your part as your heart as like another person and just be like, it's okay, heart. Like, it's okay. Here's some powerful reminders. Here's some like meme quotes to help inspire us and, and to remind us that it's going to be okay and to you know, attitude, attitude and perception is such a powerful thing. If you think that this is going to destroy you and this is going to be the worst thing ever, then you'll carry that with you through your story. But if you're just like, no, this is going to help me grow. This is going to help me expand. This is going to help me deepen my love for myself. Then you carry that with you as well. And that is like what you get. That is the treasure that you receive is the perception that you bring with you through your journey. Okay, so the broadcast is about to end on Instagram. So I'm actually just going to end it now. And then we're going to literally restart the broadcast. So for those of you on Instagram, uh, join in again for the continued part of The Alchemist as we continue to read this. And we've still got like quite a bit to go. And you can always tune into this later. Don't have to watch it live, but thank you again. So ending this broadcast on Instagram and restarting it in one second. So uh, there we go. And thank you again, everybody who's watching this on all the platforms. Just give us one second here as we just allow things to get set up for the broadcast again on Instagram. And so, yeah, if you're watching this in the future, please feel free to leave your comments. Your guys' feedback is always super, super, super appreciated. And let me just see here if this is <laughs> going to work properly. Oh, I think it might have glitched. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's okay. 
I think it might have glitched on the Instagram, but I'm just going to restart it anyways. Oh, that's why, because I tried to save it and it didn't even have room for them. That's all right. Yeah, I don't even think it saved the story there. That's okay. No worries. All right, here we go. All right, and welcome back, Instagram. Thank you for the quick little intermission. For those of you listening in the future, just uh, posting the... Oh, can I post a comment here? So again, be sure to tune in on Instagram. Sorry, guys, I just have to do a quick little thing here. So yeah, you know, let me know in the comments, like, how is this journey? How is this book reading of The Alchemist? What have you learned from it? What have been some of your takeaways? Are you going to go read this book for yourself? Are you going to go, are you going to go like share this with more people? Again, I think, I think this book, again, it was written with a lot of intention, with a lot of love. So, okay, there we go. So we're back live on Instagram. So thank you again, everyone for joining in. <coughs> Continuing where we are. Da, 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 da. <clears throat> Every second of search is an encounter with God, the boy told his heart. When I have been truly searching for my treasure, every day has been luminous because I've known that every hour was a part of the dream that I would find it. When I have been truly searching for my treasure, I have discovered things along the way that I never would have seen. And I had thought and never had I thought and never had I and had I not had the courage to try these things that seemed impossible for a shepherd to achieve. For his heart was quiet for an afternoon, for the entire afternoon. That night, the boy slept deeply, and when he awoke, his heart began to tell him things that came from the soul of the world. It said that all people who are happy have God within them, and that happiness can be found in a grain of sand from the desert, as the alchemist had said. Because a grain of sand is a moment of creation, and the universe has taken millions of years to create it, everyone on earth has a treasure that awaits him, his heart said. So yeah, remember that. Everyone on earth, everyone in the universe has a treasure that awaits them. And that treasure is self-discovery. <clears throat> Spoilers. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Nasate Ipsum, know thyself. We, people's heart, seldom say much about those treasures because people no longer want to go in search of them. We speak of them only to children. Later, we simply let life proceed in its own direction towards its own fate. But unfortunately, very few follow the path laid out for them, the path of their personal legends and to happiness. Most people see the world as a threatening place. And because they do, the world turns out indeed to be a threatening place. So with their hearts, so we, their hearts, speak more and more softly we never stop speaking out, but we begin to hope that our words won't be heard. We don't want people to suffer because they don't follow their hearts. Wow, that's interesting. Can you can you can you just kind of visualize that this idea that in like maybe today's day and age, maybe our hearts aren't speaking as loudly loudly because we, we, the hearts as like a person and identity don't want people to get disappointed by not following their hearts interesting so how many people's hearts have become very very quiet and how can we by listening to our own help our own heart help it become louder and then inspire others to listen to what may be the whisper of their heart 
So again, I think that's a very powerful lesson to help people listen to the whispers of their heart, knowing that it's there to guide them. And again, the heart, you can think of it as like an antenna for cosmic intelligence. The heart is like its own brain. It's like its own radar dish. It's its own like beacon of information from beyond the future. So again, your heart is not just like this whimsical thing. It's actually like a transmitter to be able to help give you guidance for your path and call you into your action. But knowing that it is still free will, you have the free will to listen to your heart or to ignore it or to just like let it go quiet. But know that when you listen to it, it has treasures and gifts waiting for you. Super, super powerful. Awesome. All right. And again, please feel free to leave some comments for those of you on Instagram and we can comment there. And if you're on YouTube, leave some comments there as well. All right. Why don't people's hearts tell them to continue to follow their dreams? The boy asked the alchemist, because that's what makes a heart suffer most and hearts don't like to suffer. From then on, the boy understood his heart. He asked it, please never stop speaking to me. He asked that when he wandered far from his dreams, his heart pressed him and sound the alarm. The boy swore that every time he heard the alarm, he would heed its message. From then on, the boy understood his heart. He asked, oops, that night he told all of this to the alchemist and the alchemist understood that the boy's heart had returned to the soul of the world. So, What should I do now? The boy asked. Continue in the direction of the pyramids, said the alchemist, and continue to pay heed to the omens. Your heart is still capable of showing you where the treasure is. Is that the one thing I still needed to know? No, the alchemist answered. What you still need to know is this. Before a dream is realized, the soul of the world tests everything that 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 was learned along the way. It does this not because it is evil, but so that we can, in addition to realizing our dreams, master the lessons we've learned as we've moved towards that dream. That's the point at which most people give up. It's the point at which, as we say in the language of the desert, one dies of of thirst just when the palm trees have appeared on the horizon. That's very... That's super relevant. Again, like think about that. The idea that the universe is constantly wanting us to go towards our dreams. And then sometimes like as we're going towards them, sometimes it might get like really, really hard. And but that's like that last hurdle towards like fully actualizing. And that last hurdle is actually kind of like a a review test of the previous lessons. So think about that. You know, it's like kind of like that big exam at the end of school. You always kind of have like, oh, here's like all, here's everything you learned. Let's make sure that you know. And then once you've proven it, then you graduate. So don't quit on that last exam. Know that it's still there just to be able to affirm and 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 give you that gift of, of helping you see that you already have the truth inside of you, that you have the ability to pass inside of you. Again, the universe wouldn't give us anything that we can't handle, but we have the free will to walk away. Very interesting. Every search begins with beginner's luck, and every search ends with the victor being severely tested. The boy remembered an old proverb from his country. It said that the darkest hour of the night came just before the dawn. On the following day, the first clear sign of danger appeared. Three armed tribesmen approached and asked what the boy and the alchemist were doing there. I'm hunting with my falcon, the alchemist answered. We're going to have to search you to see where you're armed, see whether you're armed, when the tribesman said. 
The alchemist dismounted slowly, and, and the boy did the same. Why are you carrying money? asked the tribesman when he searched the boy's bag. I need it to get to the pyramids, he said. The tribesman, who was searching the alchemist's belongings, found a small crystal flask filled with liquid and a yellow glass egg that was slightly larger than a chicken's egg. What are these things? That's the philosopher's stone and the elixir of life. It's the masterwork of the alchemist. Whoever swallows that elixir will never be sick again, and a fragment from that stone turns any metal into gold. The Arabs laughed at him, ah, ha, 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 and the alchemist laughed along. <laughs> they thought his answer was amusing, and they allowed the boy and the alchemist to proceed with all the belongings. Are you crazy? The boy asked the alchemist when they had moved on. Why did you do that? What did you do that for? To show you one, life, one of life's simple lessons, the alchemist answered. When you possess great treasures within you and try to tell others of them, seldom are you believed. Very interesting. They continued across the desert with every day that passed. The boy's heart became more and more silent. It no longer wanted to know about things of the past or the future. It was content simply to contemplate the desert and to drink with the boy from the soul of the world. The boy and his heart had become friends, and neither was capable now of betraying the other. Wow, so that's a, that's a, just that little thing in, in itself, that visualization. Ask yourself, are you friends with your heart? And like, how can you become better friends with your heart, aka hang out with it, listen to it, have conversations with it. Your heart will assist you. Don't just live up in your head, live in your heart and allow yourself to be like, you know, again, you, you are conducting the entire relationship within your body. You're not just one thing. You're several things acting as one thing. So your heart and your mind become friends with your heart. When his heart spoke to him, it was to provide a stimulus to the boy and to give him strength because the days of silence, because of, because the days of silence there in the desert were wearisome. His heart told the boy what his strongest qualities were, his courage in having given up his sheep and in trying to live out his personal legend and his enthusiasm during the time he had worked at the crystal shop. And his heart told him something else that the boy had never noticed. It told the boy of dangers that had threatened him, but that he had never perceived. His heart said that one time it had hidden the rifle the boy had taken from his father because of the possibility that the boy might wound himself. And it reminded the boy of the day that he had been ill and vomiting out in the field, after which he had fallen into a deep sleep. There had been two thieves farther, further ahead of him who were planning to steal the boy's sheep and murder him. But since the boy hadn't passed by, they had decided to move on, thinking that he had changed his route. Does a man's heart always help him? The boy asked the alchemist. Mostly the hearts of those who are trying to realize their personal legend. But they do help children, drunkards, and elderly too. Does that mean that I'll never run into danger? It means that the heart does what it can, the alchemist said. One afternoon, they passed by the encampment of one of the tribes at each corner of the camp where the Arabs garb were, were, were Arabs garbed in beautiful white robes with arms at the ready. So just going back to that part, that's a very interesting part to, again, think of like the heart as kind of being this higher intelligence that will help guide us and help protect us in ways that we may not even realize. So again, that heart may kind of be like, oh, go this way instead of this way. And then this way leads you to connect with someone very important. Or maybe it like 
removes you from a situation that might have caused you harm or something. So again, listening to your heart is also listening to your intuition, your internal guidance. So that's very, very exciting to, to know that again, you know, like there's like what we're doing, but then there's like a bigger intelligence helping conduct things and and working towards our, our shared visions and dreams, personal legends. One afternoon, they passed by the encampment of one of the tribes at each corner of the camp where Arabs garbed in beautiful white robes with arms at the ready. The men were smoking their hookahs and trading stories from the battlefield. No one paid any attention to the two travelers. There's no danger, the boy said when they had moved on past the encampment. The alchemist sounded angry. Trust in your heart, but never forget that you are in the desert. The men are at war with one another. The soul of the world can hear the screams of battle. No one fails to suffer the consequences of everything under the sun. All things are one, the boy thought. And then, as if the desert wanted to demonstrate the alchemist was right, two horsemen appeared from behind the travelers. You can't go any further, one of them said. You're in the area where the tribes are at war. I'm not going to I'm not going very far, the alchemist answered, looking straight into the eyes of the horsemen. They were slight for a moment. They were silent for a moment, and they agreed that the boy and the alchemist could move along. The boy watched the exchange with fascination. You dominated the horsemen with the way you looked at them, he said. Your eyes show the strength of your soul. Ooh, I like that. Your eyes show the strength of your soul. Wow. Have you seen that? Have you seen like that when, when it happens, when people just kind of like have that look in their eyes and you can like see the way it's just like communicating a strength of their soul. Very cool. So you can communicate your strength of your soul through your eyes. That's true. The boy thought he had noticed that in the midst of the multitude of armed men back at the encampment, there had been one who stared, who stared fixedly at the two. He had been so far away that his face wasn't visible, but the boy was certain that he had been looking at them. Finally, when they had crossed the mountain range that had extended along the entire horizon, the alchemist said that there were only two days from the pyramids. If we're going, if, <clears throat> if we're going to go our separate ways soon, the boy said, then teach me about alchemy. You already know about alchemy. It is about pre penetrating the soul of the world and discovering the treasure that has been reserved for you. No, that's not what I mean. I'm talking about transforming lead into gold. The alchemist fell as silent as a desert and answered the boy only after they had stopped to eat. Everything in the universe evolved, he said, and for wise men, gold is the metal that evolved the furthest. Don't ask me why. I don't know why. I just know that the tradition is always right. Men have never understood the words of the <clears throat> men have never understood the words of the wise. So gold, instead of being seen as a symbol of evolution, became the basis for conflict. There are many languages spoken by things, the boy said. There was a time when for me a camel's whining was nothing more than whining. Then it became a signal of danger, and finally it became a whining again. When they, when, but then he stopped. The alchemist probably already knew all that. Um, mm -mm. wait, was that the boy talking? I don't know. Anyways, I have known, <clears throat> I have known true alchemists. The alchemist continued. They look, they, lo <clears throat> they looked themselves. They locked themselves in their laboratories and tried to evolve as gold had. 
and they found the Philosopher's Stone because they had understood that when something evolves, everything around that thing evolves as well. Ooh, that's interesting. Think about that from like a metaphysical perspective. When something evolves, everything around it evolves as well. So when you evolve, your relationship with the world around you evolves. And others evolve too, through your example. Others stumbled upon the stone by accident. They had already had the gift, and their souls were readier for such things than the souls of others. But they don't count. They're quite rare. And then there were the others who were interested only in gold. They never found the secret. They forgot that lead, copper, and iron have their own personal legends to fulfill. And anyone who interferes with the personal legends of another will never, with another thing, will never discover his own. Ooh, that's interesting. So that idea of like, if you're trying to spend your time trying to interfere with the personal legends of others, then like that's preventing you from discovering your own personal legend. So stay in your lane is <laughs> essentially the lesson there. <laughs> Don't worry about what other people are doing. Stay in your lane, but collaborate where applicable. Don't compare yourself, essentially, but be inspired by those who are following their path to help you inspire your path and in turn, inspire others. It's a ripple effect. The alchemist's words echoed out like a curse. He reached over and picked up a shell from the ground. This desert was once an ocean, he said. I noticed that, the boy answered. The alchemist told the boy that the place to place the shell over his ear he had done that many times when he was a child, and he had heard the sound of the sea. The sea has lived on in this shell, because that's its personal legend, and it will never cease doing so until the desert is once again covered by water. They mounted their horses and rode out in the direction of the pyramids. Wow, that's really interesting. Just trying to imagine that, like finding a shell in a desert, putting it up to your ear and hearing the ocean. Like, obviously, it's not the ocean, but it is the ocean. It's a sound. It's the symbol of the ocean. Wow, that's so weird. That's trippy. <laughs> it's not a coincidence. Or is it? No, no, it's not. They mounted their horses and rode out in the direction of the pyramids of Egypt. The sun was setting when the boy's heart sounded, sounded a danger signal. They were surrounded by gigantic dunes and the boy looked at the alchemist to see whether he had sensed anything. But he appeared to be unaware of any danger. Five minutes later, the boy saw two horsemen wading ahead of them. Before he could say anything to the alchemist, the two horsemen had become ten, and then a hundred, and then they were everywhere in the dunes. They were tribesmen dressed in blue with black rings surrounding their turbans. Their faces were hidden behind blue veils with only their eyes showing. Even from a distance, their eyes conveyed the strength of their souls, and, the, and their eyes spoke of death. The two were taken to a nearby military camp, and a soldier shoved the boy and the alchemist into a tent where the chief was holding a meeting with his staff. These are the spies, said one of the men. We're just travelers, the alchemist answered. You were seen in the enemy camp three days ago, and you were talking with one of the troops there. I'm just a man who wanders the desert and knows of the stars, the alchemist said. I have no information about the troops or about the movement of the troops. I was simply acting as a guide for my friend here. Who is your friend? An alchemist, said the alchemist. Oh, geez. <laughs> okay, this is interesting. 
He understands the forces of nature, and he wants to, to show you his extraordinary powers. The boy listened quietly and fearfully. What is a foreigner doing here? asked another of the men. He has brought money to give to your tribe, said the alchemist. Before the boy could say a word and seizing the boy's bag, the alchemist gave gold coins to the chief. The Arab accepted them without a word. There was enough there was enough there to buy a lot of weapons. What is an alchemist? he asked finally. It's a man who understands the nature of the world, understands nature and the world. If he wanted to, he could destroy this camp just with the force of the wind. The men laughed. <laughs> they were used to the ravages of war, and they knew that the wind could never deliver a fatal blow. Yet each felt his heart beat a bit faster. They were men of the desert, and they were fearful of sorcerers. I want to see him do that, said the chief. He needs three days, answered the alchemist. He is going to transform himself into the wind just to demonstrate his power. If he can't do so, we humbly offer you our lives for the honor of your tribe. You can't offer me you can't offer me something that is already mine, the chief said arrogantly, but he granted the travelers three days. The boy was shaking with fear, but the alchemist helped him out of the tent. Don't you have you ever been in that situation where a friend like puts you up to something and you're just like, oh god, oh god, like that have you ever had that where a friend's just like, Yeah, this is my buddy. He's going to, like, turn into, like, a, a giant, like, sandstorm and show you guys what's up. Or he's going to, like, create, like, some sort of, like, rain cloud or lightning storm or something. Have you ever had that happen? Jeez, story of my life. No pressure. Oh, God. Just got to conjure up the forces of nature. Okay. Don't let them see that you're afraid. The <clears throat> Don't let them see that you are afraid, the alchemist said. They are brave men, and they despise cowards. But the boy couldn't even speak. He was able to do so only after they walked through the center of the camp. There was no need to imprison them. The Arabs simply confiscated their horses. So, once again, the world had demonstrated its many languages. The desert, only moments ago, had been endless and free, and now it was an impenetrable wall. You gave them everything I had, the boy said. Everything I saved in my entire life. Well, what good would it be if you had to die? The alchemist answered, Your money saved us for three days. It's not often that money saves a person's life. The boy was too frightened to listen to the words of wisdom. He had no idea how he was going to transform himself into the winds. He wasn't an alchemist. The alchemist asked one of the soldiers for some tea and poured some of the bo on the boy's wrist. A wave of relief washed over him, and the alchemist muttered some words that the boy didn't understand. Don't give in to your fears, said the alchemist in a strangely gentle voice. If you do, you won't be able to talk to your heart. Mm, interesting there. So yeah, remember, it's hard to talk to your heart when you're like giving in to your fears. So again, finding that deeper place of trust allows you to be able to listen to the wisdom of your heart, which will help navigate you out of any situation. Even if you have to turn into a windstorm. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man, this is funny. All right. But I have no idea how to turn myself into the wind. 
If a person is living out his personal legend, he knows everything he needs to know. There is only one thing that makes a dream impossible to achieve. The fear of failure. I'm not afraid of failing. I just don't know how to turn myself into the freaking wind, you crazy alchemist. I was just ad-libbing there. <laughs> That's basically what he's like. It's like, man, are you freaking crazy? Like, what's going on here? Turn it into the wind? What are you talking about? All right, let's see where this goes. Well, you'll have to learn. Your life depends on it. But what if I can't? Then you'll die in the midst of trying to realize your personal legend. That's a lot better than dying like millions of other people who never even know what their personal legends were. But don't worry, the alchemist continued. Usually the threat of death makes people a lot more aware of their lives. Hmm, interesting, right? I'm sure we've all experienced that. The idea of like, you know, it's kind of, you don't realize what you got until you lose something sort of thing. It's like one of those things where it's like every day you're walking around, you got two legs, you're healthy, you're breathing. And then next thing you know, something happens and you're really sick and you're like, oh my God, like, wow, I'm so grateful that I'm like, you know, still alive or something like that. So don't wait for those moments where things get taken away in order for you to appreciate what you already have. Appreciate them now and meditate on the idea that maybe you have three days to turn into a sandstorm or else you're going to die. How would you feel right now? And how would you appreciate your life in this moment? As a metaphor. The first day passed. There was a major battle nearby and a number of wounded were brought back to the camp. The dead soldiers were replaced by others and life went on. Death doesn't change anything, the boy thought. You could have died. Mm-mm-mm. You could have died later on, a soldier said to the boy of, to one of his companions. You could have died after, pe- after peace had been declared, but in any case, you were going to die. At the end of the day, the boy was, went looking for the alchemist who had taken his falcon into the desert. I still have no idea how to turn myself into the wind, the boy repeated. Remember what I told you. The world is, on- is only the visible aspect of God. And that what alchemy does is to bring spiritual perfection into contact with the material plane. Wow. Okay. So the just, again, I know we've kind of talked about that, but that's like super wise. That what alchemy does is to bring spiritual perfection into contact with the material plane. So again, by like working on our own internal alchemy, transforming our own soul into gold, so to speak, becoming our golden self, our golden elf, so to speak. That is like literally bringing spiritual perfection into material plane. And the truth is, it's already perfect right here and now. It's just the journey. So, what are you doing? Feeding my falcon. (laughs) I don't know. That line's really funny. I don't know why. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm feeding my falcon. If I'm not able to turn myself into the wind, we're going to die, the boy said. Why feed your falcon? You're the one who may die, the alchemist said. I already know how to turn myself into the wind. Oh my god, this guy's like, he's just trolling him. Like, it's hilarious. Alright, again, for those of you who may just be joining in on Instagram, we're doing the book reading of the alchemist. This is part four. We're almost done the book. You can find parts one to three online at youtube.com forward slash skullbabylon. And uh, just send me a DM on Instagram and I'll send you the links for that. Or go to paradigmstocentral.com. On the second day, the boy climbed to the top of a cliff near the camp. The sentinels allowed him to go. 
They had already heard about the sorcerer who could turn himself into the wind, and they didn't want to go near him. In any case, the desert was impassable. He spent the entire afternoon of the second day looking out over the desert and listening to his heart. The boy knew the desert sensed his fear. They both spoke the same language. On the third day, the chief met with the officers. <clears throat> met with his officers. He called the alchemist to the meeting and said, Let's go see the boy who turns himself into the wind. Let's. <clears throat> Let's, the alchemist answered. The boy took them to the cliff where he had been the previous day and told them all to be seated. It's going to take a while, the boy said. We are in no hurry, the chief answered. We are men of the desert. The boy looked at the horizon. There were mountains in the distance, and there were dunes, rocks, and plants that insisted on living where survival seemed impossible. <clears throat> there was the desert that he had wandered for so many months. Despite all that time, he knew only a small part of it. Within that small part, he had found an Englishman, caravans, tribal wars, and an oasis with 50,000 palm, 50, palm trees and 300 wells. What do you... <clears throat> What do you want here today? The desert asked him. So the desert's talking to him now. Didn't you spend enough time looking at me yesterday? Somewhere you are holding the person I love, the boy said. So, when I look out over your sands, I am looking at her. I want to return to her, and I need your help so that I can turn myself into the wind. What is love? The desert asked. Love is the falcon's flight over your sands, because for him you are a green field from which he always returns with game. He knows your rocks, your dunes, and your mountains, and you are generous to him. The, falcon, the falcon's beak carries bits of me himself, the desert said. For years I carry his game, feeding it with the little water that I have. And then I show him where the game is. And one day, as I enjoy the fact that his game thrives on my surface, the falcon dives out of the sky and takes away what I've created. But that's why you created the game in the first place, the boy answered, to nourish the falcon. And the falcon then nourishes man. And eventually, man will nourish your sands, where the game will once again flourish. That's how the world goes. So, is that what love is? Yes, that is what love is. It's what makes the game become the falcon, the falcon become man, and man, in his turn, the desert. It's what turns lead into gold and makes the gold return to the earth. Wow, our, our young boy Santiago getting so wise here, and we're like getting wiser with him. I don't understand what you're talking about, the desert said. But you can at least understand that somewhere in your sands, there is a woman waiting for me. And that's why I have to turn myself into the wind. The desert didn't answer him for a few moments. Then it told him, I'll give you my sands to help the wind to blow. But alone, I can't do anything. I have to ask for help from the wind. A breeze began to blow. The tribesmen watched the boy from a distance, 
talking among themselves in a language that the boy couldn't understand. The alchemist smiled. The wind approached the boy and touched his face. It knew of the boy's talk with the desert because the winds know everything. They blew across the world without a birthplace and with no place to die. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, that's trippy, man. The winds are eternal. They don't die. That's trippy. Help me, the boy said. One day you carried the voice of my love to me. Who taught you to speak the language of the desert and the wind? I assume that's like the wind speaking. My heart, the boy answered. The wind has many names, and that place of the world, it was called the Sirocco, because it brought moisture from the oceans to the east. In the distant land, the boy, in the distant land the boy came from, they called it the Levanter, because they believed that it brought with it the sands of the desert and the screams of the Moorish wars. Perhaps in this place, beyond the pastures where sheep lived, men thought that the wind came from the Andalusia, but actually the wind came from no place at all nor did it go to any place that's why it was stronger than the desert some might one day plant trees in the desert and even raise sheep there but never would they harness the wind you can't be the wind the wind said we're two very different things that's not true the boy said i learned the alchemist's secrets in my travels I have inside of me the winds, the deserts, the oceans, the stars, and everything created in the universe. We were all made of the same hand, and we have the same soul. Ooh, got like spine tingles there while reading that part. <laughs> I want to be like you, able to reach of every corner of the world, across the sea, blow away the sands that cover my treasure, and carry the voice of the woman I love. I heard that you were talking about the other day with the alchemist, the wind said. He said that everything has its own personal legend, but people can't turn themselves into the wind. Just teach me to be the wind for a few moments, the boy said, so you and I can talk about the limitless possibilities of the people and the wind. The wind's curiosity was aroused, something that had never happened before. It wanted to talk about those things but it didn't know how to turn a man into wind and looked uh, and looked and look how many things the wind already knew how to do it created deserts sank ships fell uh, f f felled entire forests and blew through cities filled with music and strange noise it felt that it had no limits yet here was a boy saying that there were other things that the wind should be able to do Here's a picture. Oh, oh, wait, I'll show the picture in a second. This is what we call love, the boy said, seeing that the wind was close to granting his request. When you are loved, you can do anything in creation. When you are loved, there's no need at all to understand what's happening because everything happens within you and every men can turn and even men can turn themselves into the wind as long as the wind helps, of course. That line right there. When you are loved, there's no need at all to understand what's happening because everything happens within you. Interesting. 
The wind was a proud being, and it was becoming irritated with what the boy was saying. I love how the wind's a being too, eh? Like, you ever try that? Have you, have, have you ever tried talking to the wind? Have you ever tried like talking to the forest? Try it sometimes. See what see what they say. It's a good conversation to be had. <clears throat> I guarantee you, the the trees and your forest nearby are just waiting for you to talk to them. Like seriously, go out to your forest and go talk to those trees. They'll be like, oh, they're talking to us. Like, oh my goodness. And then they'll whisper back to you. <laughs> All right. Magic. <sighs> as long as the wind helps, of course. The wind was a proud being and it was becoming irritated with what the boy was saying. It, commended, it commenced to blow harder, raising the desert sands. But finally, it had to recognize that, even in making its way around the world, it didn't know how to turn a man into the wind, and it knew nothing about love. In my travels... <clears throat> uh, I don't know if this is a wind speaking. In my travels around the world, I've often seen people speak of love and looking towards... Oh, okay, this is a wind. In my travels around the world, I have often seen people speaking of love and looking towards the heavens. The wind said, furious at having to acknowledge its own limitations. Maybe it's better to ask the heavens. Well then, help me do that, the boy said. Fill this place with a sandstorm so strong that it blots out the sun. Then I can look at the heaven without blinding myself. So the wind blew with all its strength and the sky was filled with sand. The sun has was turned into a golden disk. At the camp, it was difficult to see anything. The men of the desert were already familiar with that wind. They called it the Simum, and it was worse than a storm at sea. Their horses cried out, and their weapons were filled with sand. And I'll show you real quick. Here's a picture of Santiago, like, conjuring up the sandstorm. Just showing that there real quick to, to those of you on YouTube. You can see him there. That's like the image that we use in the promo for this one. And the soldiers are like, what's happening? This guy's a sorcerer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Let me just get a sip of tea here. All right. <clears throat> we, we don't got too much more in the book. Like, it's... We're, we're in the final stretch. So let's keep going. How long is this broadcast so far? We're almost at two hours. Okay. The desert was already familiar with this wind. They called it Sisimum, and it was worse than a storm at sea. Their horses cried out, and their weapons were filled with sand. On the heights of the commander on the on the heights, one of the commanders turned to the chief and said, Maybe we had better end this. They could barely see the boy. Their faces were covered with blue cloths, and their eyes showed fear. Let's stop this, another commander said. I want to see the greatness of Allah, the chief said, with respect. I want to see how a man turns himself into the wind. But he made a mental note of the names of the two men who had expressed their fear. As soon as the wind stopped, he was going to remove them from their commands, because true men of the desert are not afraid. The wind told me that you know about love. Uh oh, <clears throat> The wind told me that you know about love, the boy said, to the sun. He's talking to the sun now. If you know about love, you must also know about the soul of the world, because it's made of love. From where I am, the sun said, I can see the soul of the world. It communicates with my soul, 
and together we can cause the plants to grow and the sheep to seek out shade. From where I am, I am a long away from earth. I learned how to love. I know that I came in a little bit, I, I came, that if I came even a little bit closer to the earth, everything there would die and the soul of the world would no longer exist. So we contemplate, we contemplate each other and we want each other, and I give it life and warmth, and it gives me reason for living. That was my voice of the sun right there. I was kind of going between male and female in case you couldn't tell. Because <laughs> the sun's still got like some more parts here. I'm like, I don't know, is the sun male or female? Let's just make it androgynous. Both. So you know about love, the boy said. And I know about the soul of the world. Because we have talked at great lengths to each other during this endless trip through the universe. It tells me that its greatest problem is that up until now, only the minerals and the, veg and the vegetables understand that all things are one. That there's no need for iron to be the same as copper, or copper the same as gold. Each performs its own exact function as a unique being and everything would be a symphony of peace if the hand that wrote all that had stopped on the fifth day if the hand that wrote this that wrote all this had stopped on the fifth day of creation but there was a sixth day the sun went on you are wise because you observe everything from a distance, the boy said. But you don't know about love. If there hadn't been a sixth day, man would not exist. Copper would always just be copper, and lead just lead. It's true that everything has its personal legend, but one day that personal legend will be realized. So each thing has to transform itself into something better, and to acquire a new personal legend until someday the soul of the world becomes one thing only. Wow, that's like super powerful. Just kind of like, again, reflecting on what's being said there, the idea of like everything needing to transform and it is through the transformation that we create like the differentiation, the differentiant, the differential. And yet if there was a transformation, everything would be the same. And yet if everything were to transform, everything eventually would again be the same. At least that's kind of how I'm seeing it. So we're kind of like in this cycle phase of, again, kind of like going out of unity, forgetting that we're unity, and then coming back to unity through our own personal legends. The sun thought about that and decided to shine more brightly. The wind, which was enjoying the conversation, started to blow with great force so that the sun would not blind the boy. This is why alchemy exists, the boy said so that everyone will search for his treasure, find it, and then want to be better than he was in his former life. Let will, lead, uh, lead will play its role until the world has no further need for lead, and then lead will have to turn itself into gold. <clears throat> That's what alchemists do. They show that when we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better too. 
Okay, that part right there. When we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better too. So again, you are changing the world. You are leading the shift simply by bettering yourself. You are helping others around you become better. Not just people, environment too, energy. Well, <clears throat> well, this is the sun speaking. Well, why did you say that I don't know about love? The sun asked. Because it's not love to be static like the desert, nor is it love to roam the world like the wind, and it's not love to see everything from a distance like you do. Love is the force that transforms and improves the soul of the world. When I first reached reached to it, reached through to it, I thought the soul of the world was perfect. But later, I could see that it was like other aspects of creation. It had its own passions and wars. It is we who nourish the soul of the world, and the world we live in will be either better or worse, depending on whether we become better or worse. And that's where the power of love comes in, because when we love, we always strive to become better than we are. So that's like one of the best quotes in the book right there. Because and that's where the <clears throat> and that's where the power of love comes in. Because when we love, we always strive to become better than we are. So again, let your love be the inspiration for you to become better. You know, let your love for yourself, the love for the world, the love for the bigger missions, the bigger stories, the love for another, let that be motivation to help you become better than we are. Knowing that you're already perfect, but you're you're constantly in a process of transformation. Again, lead is not better than gold. It is merely each part of that process, which which has a purpose to the bigger personal legend. So who you were five years ago is not better or worse than who you are now, but it's just a different part on your personal legend. So always be in pursuit of refining and transforming yourself into more of who you are by following your personal legend. Again, if if this is resonating with you guys, please feel free to leave comments and I'll read your comments on screen as we go. And I know people are in the Instagram and on YouTube as well. So thanks for joining. This is this is like, again, the culmination. This is like the climax of the story right here, right? So get excited. <clears throat> so what do you want me? What do you want of me? The son asked. I want you to help me turn myself into the wind, the boy answered. Nature knows me as the wisest being in creation, the sun said, but I don't know how to turn you into the wind. Then whom should I ask? The sun thought for a minute. I love how the sun is like a character, right? Like all these elements, like they have consciousness, they're characters, right? Maybe they are. The wind was listening closely and wanted to tell every corner of the world that the sun's wisdom had its limitations that it was unable to deal with this boy who spoke the language of the world speak to the hand that wrote all the said the sun the wind screamed with delight and blew harder than ever the tents were being blown from their ties to the earth and the animals were being freed from their tethers on the cliff the men clutched at each other as they sought to keep from being blown away the boy turned to the hand that wrote all as he did so he sensed that the universe had fallen silent and he decided not to speak a current of love rushed from his heart and the boy began to pray 
It was a prayer that he had never said before, because it was a prayer without words or pleas. His prayer didn't give thanks for his sheep having found new pastures. It didn't ask that the boy be able to sell more crystals, and it didn't beseech that the woman he had met continue to await his return. In silence, the boy understood that the desert, the wind, and the sun were also trying to understand the signs written by the hand and were seeking to follow their paths and to understand what had been written on a single emerald. He saw that omens were scattered throughout the earth and in space, and that there was no reason or significance attached to their appearance. He could see that not the deserts, nor the winds, nor the sun, nor the people knew why they had been created, but that the hand had a reason for all of this, and the only one that the, and, the on, and that only the hand could perform miracles or transform the sea into a desert or a man into the wind, because only the hand understood that it was a larger design that had moved the universe to the point at which six days of creation had evolved into a master work. The boy reached through the soul of the world and saw that it was a part of the soul of God, and he saw that the soul of God was his own soul, and that he, a boy, could perform miracles. So there we go. That's like a huge part in the story. Like basically Santiago essentially becoming like Neo from the Matrix. He's like, whoa, I am the one. I am God, right? So again, like that's a huge, huge thing within our self-actualization journey to really be able to listen to our heart and our heart will remind us that like, yes, the godness all around us is what we are like we literally are the full encompassing creation power of god the same creation that created this entire universe this entire planet all the creatures is literally like inside of us and then we have like these filters that kind of like keep it hidden and then we slowly open this treasure over time and then we're like oh my gosh oh my god i am god in human form playing this experience how beautiful is that right so again, like, like that can like almost make you cry, you know, it's like, especially when you not just feel it as an idea, but when you feel it as a truth, you're just like, oh my God, I remember, I remember that I am God and that I can perform miracles. You know, I can transform, I can be an alchemist. I can change this world through the power of my heart. So the Samoom blew that day as it had never blown before for generations for generations thereafter, the Arabs recounted the legend of a boy who had turned himself into the wind, almost destroying a military camp in defiance of the most powerful chief in the desert. With the Simum, when the Simum ceased to blow, everyone looked to the place where the boy had been, but he was no longer there. He was standing next to a sand-covered sentinel on the far side of the camp. The men were terrified at his, at his sorcery, but there were two people who were smiling, the alchemist, because he had found his per perfect disciple, and the chief, because that disciple had understood the glory of God. The following day, the general bade the boy and the alchemist farewell and provided them with an escort party to accompany them as far as they chose. They rode for the entire day toward the end of the afternoon. They came upon a Coptic monastery. The alchemist dismounted and told the escorts that they could return to the camp. From, <clears throat> from here on, you will be all alone, the alchemist said. 
You are only three, three hours from the pyramid. Thank you, the boy said. Said the boy, you taught me the language of the world. I only invoked what you already knew. Wow, that's powerful right there. Again, right? I only invoked what you already knew. So again, like that. Let that be a reminder of the journey that we each share in each other's path here to help evoke what we already know within each other. So how can you be a mirror for others' growth? How can you be an alchemist to teach people about the alchemists within themselves? So glad we read this book. <laughs> the alchemist knocked on the gate of the monastery. A few monk, a monk dressed in a black in black, came to the gate. They spoke for a few minutes in the Coptic tongue, and the alchemist bade the boy bade the boy enter. I asked him to let me use the. <clears throat> I asked him to let me use the kitchen for a while. The alchemist smiled. They went to the kitchen at the back of the monastery. The alchemist lighted the fire, and the monk brought him some lead, with the alchemist, which the alchemist placed on an iron pan. When the lead had become liquid, the alchemist took from his pouch a strange yellow egg. He scraped from its silver, he scraped from it a sliver as thin as a hair, wrapped it in wax, and added it to the pan in which the lead had melted. The mix, the mixture took on a reddish color, almost the color of blood. The alchemist removed the pan from the fire and set it aside to cool. As he did so, he talked with the monk about the tribal wars. I think they're going to last for a very long time, he said to the monk. The monk was irritated. The caravans had been stopped at the Giza for some time, waiting for the wars to end. But God's will be done, the monk said. Exactly, answered the alchemist. When the pan had cooled, the monk and the boy looked at it, dazzled. The lead had dried into the shape of the pan, but it was no longer lead. It was gold. Will I learn, will I learn to do that someday? The boy asked. This was my personal legend, not yours, the alchemist answered, but I wanted to show you that it was possible. They returned to the gates of the monastery. There, the alchemist separated the disc into four parts. This is for you, he said, holding one of the parts out to the monk. It's for your generosity to the pilgrims. But, <clears throat> but this payment goes well beyond my generosity, the monk responded. Don't say that again. Life might be listening and give you less next time. Here's a quick picture of uh, them arriving at the monastery. It's just like them in front of a door. And uh, again, thank you so much for everyone for being here. We're almost done. Like this is like, we're, we're literally like less than, uh, yeah, like barely 10 pages. So yeah, we're almost done. You can feel the journey like coming to this, like, like, yeah, just kind of like we're moving into the conclusion. And he's almost at the pyramids. So all right, here we go. <clears throat> the alchemist turned to the boy. This is for you to make up for what you gave to the general. The boy was about to say that it was much more than he had given the general, but he kept quiet because he had heard what the alchemist said to the monk. And this is for me. Oh, sorry. And this is for me, said the alchemist, keeping one of the parts, because I have to return to the desert where there are tribal wars. He took the fourth part and handed it to the monk. This is for the boy, if he ever needs it. But I'm going to search for my treasure, the boy said. I'm very close to it now. And I'm certain you'll find it, the alchemist said. Then why this? Because you have already lost your savings twice. Once to the thief and once to the general. 
I'm an old superstitious, superstitious Arab, and I believe in our proverbs. There's one that says everything, hap everything that happens once can never happen again, but everything that happens twice will surely happen a third time. They mounted their horses. <clears throat> it's very, I, li I like that proverb, very interesting. Again, there's like wisdom there, right? So if something happens once, it will never happen again. But if something happens twice, it's bound to happen three times. Just keep your eyes open for that. I want to tell you a story about dreams, said the alchemist. The boy brought his horse closer. In ancient Rome, at the time of Emperor Tiberius, there lived a good man who had two sons. One was in the, one, one was in the military and had been sent to the most distant regions of the empire. The other son was a poet and delighted all of Rome with his beautiful verses. One night the father had a dream. An angel appeared to him and told him the words of one of his sons would be learned and repeated throughout the world for generations to come. The father woke from his dream grateful and crying because life was generous and that he and he and had relieved him and had revealed to him something any father would be proud of proud to know. Shortly thereafter the father died and he tried to save a child who was about to be crushed as he died, as he tried to save a child who was about to be crushed by the wheels of a chariot. Since he had lived his entire life in a manner that was correct and fair, he went directly to heaven, where he met the angel that had appeared in his dream. You were always a good man. <clears throat> this is the angel speaking. You were always a good man, the angel said to him. You lived your life in a loving way and died with dignity. I can now grant you any wish you desire. Life was good to me, the man said. When you appeared in my dream, I felt all my efforts had been rewarded because my son's poem will be read by many for generations to come. I don't want anything for myself, but any father would be proud of the fame achieved by one whom he had cared for as a child and educated as he, as he grew up. Sometime in the distant future, I would like to see my son's words. The angel touched the man's shoulder. <clears throat> The angel touched the man's shoulders, and they were projected far into the future. They were in an immense setting, surrounded by thousands of people speaking a strange language. The man wept with happiness. I knew that my son's poem were immortal, he said to the angel through his tears. Can you please tell me which of my son's poems these people are repeating? The angel came closer to the man and with a tenderness led him to a bench nearby where they sat down. The verses of your son, who was a poet, were very popular in Rome, the angel said. Everyone loved them and enjoyed them, but when the reign of Tiberius ended, his poems were forgotten. The words you're hearing now are those of your son in the military. The man looked surprised at the angel. Your son went to serve at a distant place and became a centurion. He was just and good. One afternoon, one of his servants fell ill, and it appeared that he would die. Your son heard of a rabbi who was able to cure illness, and he rode out for days and days in search of this man. Along the way, he learned that the man he was seeking was the son of God. He met others who had been cured by him, and they instructed your son in the man's teachings. And so, despite the fact that he was a Roman centurion, he converted to their faith. Shortly thereafter, he reached the place where the man 
he was looking for was visiting. So I just have to take a quick moment here to restart the Instagram broadcast because we're almost at one hour again, meaning that this broadcast is going to be two hours long. So for those of you on Instagram, uh, tune back in in a second. I'm just going to restart it. But again, please jump over to YouTube uh, otherwise, and you can just watch the whole thing there. So quickly restarting the Instagram. I don't want to lose track, but here we go. Restarting the Instagram real quick. Thank you everybody again for just allowing, take a, take a quick breath here. Just, just breathe. I'll read some of the comments there in a second. I don't even think this is going to like save to my Instagram. That's unfortunate, but that's okay. So then we'll just restart this real quick. So yeah, if you guys have some comments, please feel free to leave those down below and I will read those on air as we, as we wrap this up. Okay. Doki and restarting live. Okay. And we're back live on Instagram. So, uh, awesome. Okay. So continuing along here. So yeah, if anybody has any comments of gratitude that they want to share in the live chat, please feel free to leave those as we get close to the end of the broadcast and, uh, yeah, we'll read those on air. Okay. He told the man that one of his servants was gravely ill and the rabbi made ready to go to his house with him. But the centurion was a man of faith. And looking into the eyes of the rabbi, he knew he was surely in the presence of the Son of God. And this is what your son said, the angel told the man. These are the words he said to the rabbi at that point, and they have never been forgotten. My Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servants will be healed. The alchemist said, No matter what he does, every person on earth plays a central role in the history of the world, and normally he doesn't know it. The boy smiled. He had never imagined that questions about life would be such would be of such importance to a shepherd. Goodbye, the alchemist said. Goodbye, said the boy. Aw, single tear. Thank you, Alchemist. Okay, so the boy's like arriving at, at, at the pyramids now. And again, we're almost done. Like, this is pretty much the conclusion. The boy rode along through the desert for several hours, listening avidly to what his heart had to say. It was his heart that would tell him where treasure was hidden. Where your treasure is, there also will be your heart. The al- Oh, <clears throat> that's what, okay, the Alchemist said that. Where your treasure is, There also will be your heart, the alchemist had told him. But his heart was speaking of other things. With pride, it told the story of a shepherd who left his flock to follow a dream he had on two different occasions. It told of personal legend and and of the many men who had wandered in search of of distant lands or beautiful women, confronting the people of their times with their preconceived notions. It spoke of journeys, discoveries, books, and change. As he was about to climb yet another dune, his heart whispered, Be aware of the place where you are brought to tears. That's where I am, and that's where your treasure is. The boy climbed the dune slowly. A full moon rose again in the starry sky. Again, we're reading this on the full moon. That's why I did it. It had been a month since he had set forth from the oasis. The moonlight cast shadow through the dunes, creating the appearance of a rolling sea. 
It reminded the boy of the day when that horse had reared in the desert and he had come to know the alchemist. And the moon fell on the desert's silence and on a man's journey in search of treasure. When he reached the top of the dune, his heart leapt. There, illuminated by the light of the moon and the brightness of the desert, stood the solemn and majestic pyramids of Egypt. The boy fell to his knees and wept. He thanked God for making him believe in his personal legend and for leading him to meet a king, a merchant, an Englishman, and an alchemist, and above all, for having, his, for having met a woman of the desert who had told him that love would never keep a man from his personal legend. If he wanted to, he could now return to the oasis, go back to Fatima, and live his life a simple shepherd. After all, the alchemist continued to live in the desert even though he understood the language of the world and knew how to transform lead into gold he didn't need to demonstrate his science and art to anyone the boy told himself on the on the way toward realizing his own personal legend he had learned all he needed to know and had experienced everything he might have dreamed of awesome so again like i might have to go back and reread this just to help make it clear but i'll just keep reading forward here for a second but here he was at the point of finding his treasure and he reminded himself that no project is complete until its objective has been achieved. The boy looked at the sands around him and saw that where his tears had fallen, a scarab beetle was scuttling through the sand. During his time in the desert, he had learned that in Egypt, the scarab beetles are a symbol of God. Another omen, the boy began digging into the dune. As he did, he saw it. He thought of what Crystal Merchant had once said, that anyone could build a pyramid in his backyard. The boy could see now that he couldn't do so if he placed stone upon stone for the rest of his life. Throughout the night, the boy dug at the place he had chosen, but found nothing. He felt weighted down by the centuries of time since the pyramids had been built, but he didn't stop. He struggled to continue digging as he fought the wind, which often blew the sand back into the excavation. His hands were abraded and exhausted, but he listened to his heart. It had told him to dig where his tears fell. Let me just go back here and show you a picture. Here's a picture of Santiago in front of the pyramid there. So you can see him there. Or technically, I guess this is Santiago in front of the pyramids. And that's like more of like the alchemist in front of the pyramids. Either way. Awesome. Okay. Continuing here. We're almost done. We're almost done. All right. Okay. Da, 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 da. But he listened to his heart. It had told him to dig where his tears had fallen. As he was attempting to pull out the rocks he encountered, he heard footsteps. Several figures approached him. There, back where, back, their backs were to the moonlight, and the boy could see neither of their eyes nor their faces. What are you doing here? One of the figures demanded. Because he was terrified, the boy didn't answer. He had found where his treasure was, and he was frightened at what may happen. <clears throat> We're refugees from the tribal war, and we need money, the other figure said. What are you hiding there? I'm not hiding anything, the boy answered. But one of them seized the boy and yanked him back out of the hole. Another one who was searching the boy's bags found the piece of gold. There's gold here, he said. The moon shone on the face of the Arab who had seized him, and in the man's eyes the boy saw death. He's probably got more gold hidden in the ground. They made the boy continue digging, but he found nothing. 
as the sun rose, the men began to beat the boy. He was bruised and bleeding, his clothing was torn to shreds, and he felt that death was near. What good is money to you if you're going to die? It's not... <clears throat> I guess that's the boy. Uh, this is the alchemist, the quoting the alchemist. What good is money to you if you're going to die? It's not often that money can save someone's life, the alchemist had said. Finally, the boy screamed at the man. I'm digging for treasure. And although his mouth was bleeding and swollen, he told his attackers that he had twice dreamed of treasure hidden in the pyramids of Egypt. The man, who appeared to be a leader of the group, spoke to one of the others. Leave him. He doesn't have anything else. He must have stolen this gold. And I'm just going to show you a quick picture because we're almost done. Here's a picture of the the thieves approaching Santiago. You can see there. So we're almost done. It's like, yeah, this is like right at the end. So, and then there's an epilogue. So, <clears throat> leave him. He doesn't have anything else. He must have stolen this gold. The boy fell to the sand, nearly unconscious. The leader shook him and said, we're leaving. But before they left, he came back to the boy and said, you're not going to die. You'll live. And you'll learn that a man shouldn't be so stupid. Two years ago, right here on this spot, I had a recurrent dream too. I dreamt that I should travel to the fields of Spain and look for a ruined church with shepherds and their sh where their sheep slept. And in my dream, there was a sycamore growing out of the ruins of the, of the sacristy, sac which is like a church. And I was told that if I dug at the roots of the sycamore, I would find a hidden treasure. But I'm not so stupid as to cross an entire desert just because of a recurrent dream. And they disappeared. The boy stood up shakingly and looked once more at the pyramids. They seemed to laugh at him, and he laughed back, but his heart bursting with joy because he knew where his treasure was. And now we're into the epilogue. So this is like actually like that's like basically the conclusion, but this is like the epilogue now. So we'll just keep reading. The boy reached the small abandoned church just as night was falling. So he like literally he's like flash forward months and months. He's literally gone all the way back home to where he started his journey. So this is like full circle. The boy reached the small abandoned church just as the night was falling. The sycamore was still there in the sacristy and the stars could still be seen through the half-destroyed roof. He remembered the time he had been there with his sheep. It had been a peaceful night, except for the dream. Now he was there not with his flock, but with a shovel. He sat looking at the sky for a long time. Then he took from his knapsack a bottle of wine and drank some. He remembered the night in the desert where he had sat with the alchemist, and they looked at the stars and drank wine together. He thought of the many roads he had traveled and the strange ways God had chosen to show him his treasure. If he hadn't believed in the significance of recurring dreams, he would not have met the gypsy woman, the king, the thief, or, well, it's a long list, but the path was written in the omens, and there was no way I could go wrong, he said to himself. He fell asleep. So again, I'm just going to kind of backtrack that whole idea there. So again, like just kind of creating the vision here, him going to the pyramids, digging in the treasure, not finding anything, yet meeting that person who said that they had a recurring dream that led him back home. And now he's digging underneath the tree at his old house, 
But again, that person basically said, like, I'm not following my personal legend. And so he's like, oh, but I am. And so the synchronicity of it all is like coming full circle here. He fell asleep. And when he awoke, the sun had already was already high. He began to dig at the base of the sycamore. You old sorcerer, the boy shouted up at the sky. You knew the whole story. You even left a bit of gold at the monastery so I could get back to this church. The monk laughed when he saw me come back in tatters. Couldn't you have saved me from that? No, he heard a voice on the wind say. If I had told you, you wouldn't have seen the pyramids. They're beautiful, aren't they? The boy smiled and continued digging. Half an hour later, he, his shovel hit something solid. An hour later, he had before him a chest of Spanish gold coins. There were, there were also precious stones, gold mass adorned with red and white feathers, and a stone statue embedded with jewels. The spoils of a conquest that a country had long ago forgotten, and that some conquistador had failed to tell his children about. The boy took out Urim and Thummim from his bag, the black and white stone. He had used the stones only once, one morning, when he was at a marketplace. His life and his path had always provided him with enough omens. He placed Urim and Thummim in the chest. They were also a part of his new treasure, because they were a reminder of the old king, whom he would never see again. It's true. Life is generous to those who pursue their personal legend, the boy thought. Then he remembered that if he had to go to Tarifa, he could give one-tenth of his treasure to the gypsy woman, as he had promised. Those gypsies are really smart, he thought. Maybe it was because they moved around so much. The wind began to blow again. It was the Levantir, the wind that came from Africa. It didn't bring with it the smell of desert nor the threat of Moorish invasion. Instead, it brought with it the scent of a perfume he knew so well, and the touch of a kiss, a kiss that came far away, slowly, slowly, until it rested on his lips. The boy smiled. It was the first time she had done that. I'm coming, Fatima, he said. The end. Yay, we did it. We finished reading The Alchemist. Yay. Awesome. So there you go. In the conclusion, now that he's like got his treasure, young Santiago, our little hero, our young shepherd boy, is making his way back across the deserts to go and find his love and to return to her with the treasure he has found, not only under the tree, but within himself. And all the best to him. So there we go. So thank you again, everyone, so much for being a part of this journey, for being a part of this. This is, again, if you've listened to parts one to four, this has been like probably like, yeah, like over like eight hours, almost like nine hours worth of us hanging out together. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing in this journey. And again, what did we take from this journey? We took about the power of following our hearts, of listening to our hearts, of following our personal legend of listening to the soul of the world, the language of the world, the omens, the synchronicities, trusting in the process, being able to make choices for ourselves, being able to make the harder choices, being able to trust even when things may seem at their worst, that if we just like keep going and keep trusting and are open to what our heart has to say, it will lead us to where we need to be. And that may be running into a very powerful alchemist who will teach us about our own sorcery within our hearts 
And again, allowing us to understand that the treasures that we seek are sometimes right where we began. And so let that metaphor sit with you in understanding that you don't need to go to the pyramids, but you can literally just like walk outside your own door and find the treasures that you seek. The treasures that you seek are already home within your heart. And so, so much more to take from this. But again, I look forward to being able to read your comments down below. So let me know what you thought of this. Again, this has been The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Go purchase his book, support his work. It's very, very well known across the world. And this is a book that will continue to exist for generations to come. So please share it with other people, read it to your children, read it with anyone and let them experience the beauty of this story, which again is a very powerful allegory. It's a very powerful metaphor. It is a lens for us to be able to see ourselves. And so thank you again, everyone. Awesome. Just reading some of the comments. So last call, if anybody just wants to express gratitude and comments who are watching this live, please drop those in the live chat right now. Anna says, take what you need, leave the rest. I think Coelho is a good place to start. Um, I think that was actually in response to somebody else's comment, but yes, absolutely. Such a powerful teacher. Thank you to Paulo Coelho. Obviously, like, you know, they've gone through their own spiritual journey and they're like, how can I turn this into a piece of art that can be, you know, a powerful way for people to be able to learn themselves and people in the Instagram. I can see uh, your comments. Uh, Tina, thank you so much. Cosmic Shaman. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for being here. And again, this recording will be online for you guys to check out at any point. So please share it with your friends, all four parts of it. And yeah, it's been an honor. It's been a real journey. It's literally been a journey of us going on this together. We are young Santiago and I'm so excited that, that we've made it all the way to the end together. So if you haven't yet, be sure to check out more paradigmshiftcentral.com. Again, thank you to people who are supporting on Patreon. You're what helped make this broadcast possible. So if you really, really, really enjoyed this broadcast, then please be sure to support on Patreon because I want to do more book readings and I want to get your feedback. What would be another book that you would want me to read in the future and for us to do some commentary on? So again, patreon.com forward slash Brendan Culleton. You can tune in for that and uh, you can sign up for that with a monthly micro donation get your items for the quest, get your discount for the quest item shops, including uh, light guardian crystals and things like that. So again, like your treasures await you at the questitemshop.com and shift buttons to be able to help evoke synchronicity. Seriously, I'm not just trying to sell you swag. I'm trying to give you tools to be able to help assist you on your quest of changing the world and manifesting our own personal legend. So thank you again. Mwah, everyone for being a part of this if you have any questions you know where to reach me mystic spider-man on instagram or you can go to my facebook and yeah be sure to subscribe on youtube go check out and tune in for more future broadcasts have a beautiful moment happy full moon at the time of this recording and any time that you get to watch this and let this story really be something that we experience we didn't just read it but we experienced it so very very cool so awesome thank you again Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Again, woo, go team, yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys again in the future. Be sure to connect to our live chat at paradigmshiftcentral.com, questitemshop.com to get your light guardian crystals, shift buttons, all that good stuff, patreon.com to add your support and get connected with exclusive benefits. And thank you again. We'll be making plenty more broadcasts still to come. What are we reading next? Uh, that will be up for the community to decide. I got a few ideas, but I want to hear from you. What would you like me to read next? Be sure to leave your comments down below and, uh, yeah, stay tuned. So with that said, another round of applause. We did it. Good job, everyone.
And yeah, I think that's a good place to be able to wrap it up. So thank you again so much. And with that said, as always, keep it shifty. And we will see you in the future. This is Brendan, a.k.a. Skullbabble. I'm Mystic Spider-Man on behalf of ParadigmShiftCentral.com. I love you. Peace and wholeness. And all the best on your own personal journeys. Go team! Special thank you to our friend Danny Leonardo, whose music is featured at the beginning and end of this broadcast. Be sure to check out more of her work in the YouTube info below. Thank you, Danny.